Okay, well, we've got a new study that we're starting this morning. I'm glad that you're here to get started with us, and I hope that you'll be able to, uh, all of you, continue on with us as we go through this short uh, four-chapter letter in the Bible known as the letter to the Colossians. Uh, I find it interesting as we consider this uh, opening time, this background, uh, some information on this letter. I find it interesting that uh, it seems kind of like it's a little bit like Fallon, this little city of Colossae. If you were to uh, later on take your Bible or uh, a dictionary, um, encyclopedia, whatever, and try and look up where it is uh, in, the, in the country of Asia, Asia Minor, and now known as Turkey. And uh, in the biblical times, when the letter was written, it was just a little town. And actually, the, the little towns uh, to the north of Colossae were actually the, the more uh, familiar ones, the more popular ones, Hierapolis and Laodicea. But they formed a little triangle of, of little towns. And uh, the letter is written, as we see, by Paul. And Paul never really went there. He never visited Colossae. And we, our minds get kind of into gear and think, well, okay, how'd, how'd this come about? Well, if you want to take notes here, uh, there's an outline in your bulletin. You can follow along in this uh, opening lesson. Uh, mark down Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. We're not necessarily going to turn there and look at it right now, but that's where Paul, uh, we find out the Apostle Paul spent time there in Ephesus. In starting, uh, the record of that is in Acts chapter 19. And in that time, he, he spent... Um, a number of months just going directly to the synagogue and just continuing to teach there in the synagogue. And the, the, the people there, the Jews, didn't really like that. So the pressure mounted and he kind of retreated with his disciples to the school of Tyrannus and spent time there, really about two years. And, and the, the book of Luke, uh, Acts, uh, the writer Luke, mentions that all the people in Asia heard about this. And they had heard the, the message that Paul was preaching. And so, uh, as a result of that, we believe, uh, commentators believe it, uh, you, you, you do some background check on yourself, you can see how they understand that that's where this one minister, this man, um, Epaphras, came and heard the message of salvation and then went back home to Colossae and start a church. And it was later on, we don't know exactly how much later on, but later on, Epaphras says, you know what, there's something going on in our church and i got to go see the Apostle Paul for this. And so he travels to go see Paul, no longer in Ephesus, but now Paul is, guess where? In prison. And that's why the, the letter of Colossae, the Colossian letter, is listed as one of the Prison epistles, because Paul wrote it from prison. But we understand that Epaphras had gone to talk to him to gain some insight as to what to do. Well, Paul hadn't been there, so Paul jots down a letter. 
And the reason why Epaphras went was there's a, this problem. And we, um, when our church, we went through this study on 1 John a number of uh, months ago now, last year. Um, there's the same kind of a problem, the same listing uh, called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism was another problem that rose up in this church at Colossae, just this little town. And I guess it's due to the fact that the Roman Empire, as we understand it, the Roman Empire had done kind of like what the Internet has done. What has the Internet done for us? Uh, Yes, there's some problems there, but the Internet has made the world smaller, hasn't it? I can know what's going on in Pakistan or whatever. You can too if something happens there or if something happens in Germany. We can know about it almost immediately. Well, in in a sense, the Roman Empire did the same thing. The Roman Empire... Uh, they built roads. You guys built roads? Paths? Anything like that? Well, the Roman soldiers were called to go build roads uh, in their spare time, I guess. <laughs> and part of that allowed for, well, here's Epaphras, being able to travel about 100 miles, 80 to 100 miles into Ephesus, which was a port city on the western tip of Turkey. So he traveled. But it also allowed people to travel into the little town of Colossae and to come and visit and then find out, here's this church. And they're being taught to lean on Jesus alone, to trust in Jesus alone. And some of these new philosophies that came up, some of these new teachings that came up were saying, hey, whoa, 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 you need more than just Jesus. You need a bit of Judaistic ritual and tradition to it. And let's add in a little Eastern mysticism. Because these are popular things now. And added to it is the predominantly Gnostic theme of superior knowledge. Superior knowledge. If if you don't have that, you, you really don't have it. You don't have it together. And so this is now known... What we understand, this was the Colossian heresy. Paul wrote to deal with this problem. But what's interesting is, Paul didn't start right in with the problem. You notice that? He didn't start in right with the problem. He had a concern for this people that he had never seen before. (laughs) He had never been there. And so, it's with that understanding that he writes this letter. Now, this, let me mention this. Before we get into our outline of these first eight verses, I want you to understand this, this problem that they're dealing with. Okay, And it was a heresy. Uh, the Colossian heresy of old. And it continues to resurface. And we think, I've heard this before. Well, we need to get it settled into our hearts and minds because it'll keep on resurfacing. Yes, to this day, it'll keep resurfacing. It happened back then, and the idea was that it's a, a, an amalgamation, a, 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 a smorgasbord of beliefs. And nowadays, we call that syncretism. 
syncretism is where it's just a, a combination of all sorts of beliefs. And it's important that we understand this. You know, we, we live in a day, listen, we live in a day where America as a society and a culture says to you and says to me, we need to be tolerant. We better be tolerant because there's all these different beliefs. And so let's get along. Let's coexist. You've seen the bullet, the, the little bumper sticker, sticker, stickle. You've seen the bumper sticker where it spells out, let's just coexist. And you know how it's spelled out? How many of you have seen that bumper sticker? Okay, so you know. It's spelled out with all the different symbols of religion in the world. Okay? Enough said on that? And, and thus, it, the pull is, the draw is that you just be more tolerant because everyone else has all these other beliefs and they're probably just as good as Jesus Christ is, right? Thank you. Okay? And the reason this heresy, it's false teaching, and get this, they, these folks did not come into the church at Colossae to remove Jesus. They didn't come in to move Jesus out. They came to just add. Come on. Let's just add a little bit, right? And it works. This heresy really works. You know why? Because you and I are built in that way. We want to be careful to be considerate of others, right? But also, we're, we're prone to want to earn our favor from God. And you know what opens the door? It, it just opens the door right there for legalism. That I gotta and you gotta work for your salvation. Well, there's part of the thing with the uh, issue of Judaistic ritualism and tradition. You better do this. And if you don't, you're not going to gain favor from God. God's not going to look at you in a favorable way. So... It's just the way it is. Here's, here's all the stuff that surfaces from cultures ebb and flow. Okay? And it's constantly changing. And while it changes, it keeps requiring tolerance for everything. And to be much more understanding about it all. And then the second reason is the human nature. You know, we have an, uh, this awareness of God's existence... In this business of the human nature, we keep trying to gain favor, gain merit. If I'm just a little bit better, God will notice me. And especially through benevolent efforts, right? And let me tell you this. As we start this message in this series, you need to understand, my friend, that even your best and your good efforts are they're, they're filthy rags before God. Do you understand that? It's not what you can do in a good sense that will gain you favor from God. Your best effort is not going to find favor with God because your righteousness, your goodness is as filthy rags before God. And we, we understand, well, the bad stuff, well, yeah, I, wickedness and all the sin and the light, well, sure. But my goodness? Our combined goodness? Yes. 
It doesn't make it with God. What makes it with God? Perfection. You and I, combined, you and I, whatever, we're not perfect. Jesus is. Jesus is. And see, that's why we entitled the series, The Supremacy of Jesus Christ. All right? The Supremacy of Jesus Christ. So, um, I want to... give you three points to the general outline of the book. It breaks down very simply. And you can put this on the side of your outline there if you'd like. But um, this letter, is it starts with doctrine. Like much of what Paul does in other letters, we can compare it and contrast it and see how Paul unravels it for us here and lays it out on the table as we say It starts with doctrine, and it's about Christ's preeminence declared. Okay, that's chapter 1. That's a good uh, summary of chapter 1. Doctrine, Christ's preeminence declared. Then secondly, in chapter 2, it's about danger. Here's the problem he deals with in chapter 2, and it's Christ's preeminence defended. Christ's preeminence defended. And then number 3 is... Chapter 3 and 4 combined, and that's about duty. Duty. Christ's preeminence on display. All right? And we'll try to keep bringing that little outline back to you and uh, uh, remind us of that. That's where we're going. So we start with chapter 1 in verses 1 through 8. Doctrine. Okay? And... um, this is Paul's message, and its, its impact is for us today. 2012, Fallon, America. Got it? <laughs> and just like Colossae, we're a small community. But like Colossae, we too are susceptible to the Colossian heresy. We, we have to be on the alert. So this, the message is needed. You need this message As a Christian, we need to be encouraging one another and exhorting each other that in Christ, things are settled and stable. That He is enough and that His grace is enough. That's what we want to keep hammering and keep repeating over and over again. Because my tendency is to say, well, we've got to add this or got to add that. Same with you. So, remember I said earlier, Paul does not start with the problem He starts with thanksgiving. And so, number one, in your outline, this is the title, we're celebrating the gospel. And number one is celebrating the connection of grace. Celebrating the connection of grace. When you don't know someone, and you're trying to get to know them, you're trying to make connection, right? And Paul does a beautiful job of this in connecting with the people in Colossae. And he does so... By saying, here's who's writing it. Here's, it's Paul and Timothy. Paul's writing from prison. An apostle, he says, see it there in verse 1, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Quickly, an apostle is a sent one from Jesus. He was a witness of the resurrection. Okay? A witness of the resurrection. So this is no ordinary letter. It's from the Lord Jesus Christ's official representative, if you will, an apostle of Jesus Christ. 
an authorized ambassador, an authorized spokesman of the gospel of grace, along with Timothy. Uh, and Timothy is, here's, here's an example of an authentic conversion. Here's another brother, a faithful companion of Paul and a faithful companion of the gospel. Now, I say that because if, if all of a sudden we had to stop and, and say, that's it for today, are you and I like a Timothy? Are we, are we like that? Are we like Timothy? Are we a faithful companion, a faithful brother in it? Okay, then he moves on to, to address it to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ. So letter B in your outline, saints and siblings, brothers and sisters in Christ. Saints, set apart ones, holy ones, and siblings meaning faithful brothers, faithful sisters in Christ. And his description, these are, here's two descriptions, but it's of one group. It's not of, it's not two separate groups. It's one group with two descriptions. Saints, because of being set apart by God, not by your doing, not by my doing, but we're set apart by God through salvation in Christ. And the idea of the term points to the believer's position in Christ. Now, if you're here sitting in this room, for the the Christians sitting around you, look at them. They're a saint. Yeah. As a Christian, you're a saint. And that, not of your own doing, that's of Christ and what He accomplished for you. But you are a saint. Now, Typically, the, the description, when it's brought and it's used, is to show you here's what, who you are in Christ. But the idea is that you won't just stay there. You'll move on to saying, here's my practice in my life to show that I am living like a saint. And faithful brethren, due to what God has accomplished with the gospel of Jesus Christ in their lives, the description is of the, the, the idea of being a brother is that here's your practice. Here's your conduct. I love it. Since coming here to this church back in 95, this church has no problem with calling, Hey, brother, how you doing? Hey, brother, I've been praying for you. And I love that. And it, it just, it's a good thing to hear. Calling each other Brother. Okay, ladies, sorry, I, you, you go sister. Got it? There we go. Okay, letter C, another part of the connection made is, he says you're in Christ and you're in Colossae. Those are, that combination is very important. You're in Christ and you're in Colossae. It's very powerful. It's the implication that their identity is related to their what? Their location their identity, and their location. Who they are in Christ. Here's their salvation, and here's their location. What does God want us to learn from that little statement? Are you saved? Are you in Christ? And where are you? You're in Christ, and you're in Churchill County. You're in Christ, you're in Lovelock. You're in Christ, you're in Fernley. Where, come on. Put them together. That's the connection that God wants us to make. 
with that little phrase right there. And the preposition is the same in the Greek language. In Christ, in Colossae. Okay? And we, they put at for Colossae just to help us with the understanding, you know, English language uh, bent there. So, it's very important. It's absolutely critical that we see ourselves in the same way. We're called to live out our position in Christ where we live. That's the idea. It's not to be separated. And that's, I tell you, that's our, that's, that can be a problem in Christianity is that we say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm saved, I'm secure, I'm, I'm going to heaven. And yet our behavior doesn't match our belief, our, our proclamation. So, folks, this is one thing that Paul's going to be doing. He's going to draw doctrine in with duty. He always does that. Doctrine is brought in with duty. Belief is brought in with behavior. Creed is brought in with conduct. You say you believe, then there's, there's the link, there's the connection. Okay? Then finally, celebrating the connection of grace is, letter D, the grace and peace greeting. It's Paul's standard greeting, but he does not just say, hey, how you doing? He doesn't just throw out the greeting, the word greetings. He purposely says grace and peace. The point behind that is God is the only one that gives grace the way he does. And he says, if you're in Christ now, partake of this, participate in this. Be a, a great partaker of his grace. Men that were there on that Saturday morning breakfast, remember we, we looked at Second Timothy chapter 2 where it says, only be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so the Bible is saying again, be strong in His grace. Participate in this. Soak it in and live it out about His grace. It's His favor. And this is the theme of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's His grace. So He says grace and peace. And if you know His grace, then what? The logical thing is that you'll know the peace that comes with that. It's the believer's blessing and it's the believer's possession, grace and peace. Grace is the provision for Christian living. Peace is the enjoyment of those provisions. And a lot of times, uh, I understand, it's like uh, making a big deal about just these opening phrases, just as normal greeting. Well, that's our problem. We think it's a normal greeting when it's not. It's sincere. He's saying, here it is. And grace to you. And peace. From who? God our Father. And so, that's point number one. Point number two is he moves on to celebrate the evidence of grace. The evidence of grace. We want to have that connection with it. But not just the connection. Now we want to see, how is it showing itself? Here's the evidence of grace. Number two, it's in the framework of faith. The framework of faith. We see it in verse four. 
He's praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Now, again, for most of you, this is, you, you have it down, you understand it, but I, want, I have to say this, is that you and I, we live in a society again where there's a cult of faith. What? Yeah, there's a cult of faith. And what I mean by that is, you hear it on the TV, you read about it, and it, all it is is saying, well, just have faith. And it's a, a, a very nebulous, general statement, and it sounds quasi-spiritual, but just have faith. And um, have faith in faith. Um, have faith that good things, will, you'll, you'll feel good things. Faith in what? And the Bible is clear. Your faith is in the object of Jesus Christ, the, the person of Jesus Christ. Faith has an object. It's the person of Jesus Christ. And this is, here's the, the evidence of grace is, here's, this, here's the issue of faith. Okay? The, um, and then what comes from that, what's next? Verse 4, and the love which you have for all the saints. So letter B under number 2 is the function of love. The function of love. With the, with the reality of faith in Christ comes the, the working out of love, the overflow of love. And you say, I, I'm good on that. I love people. No. What does it say? Look, what does it say? Love for who? All the saints. And I say, you say again, oh yeah, I'm good on that. I'm good on that. Uh, let me, t- let's try this. Uh, for the next five months, let's sit in different places. <laughs> okay? See how, you, see how we do there. See, we always gravitate to um, the people that like us and, and love us. We know they love us, you know? And yet... He's saying, love for all the saints. I've said this in the past, and, you know, it's something that I'll bring it up again. And if you don't like it, come talk to me. But we got a problem. Basically, here we are. White, middle class, that's it. Think about that. You know, you can say, well, I've got Italian, you know, ancestors. I, that, that doesn't work here. Um, you know, Alfonso, our Hispanic brother. Uh, I, I'd like to see us add to that number. No African Americans. Why is that? You know, we're, we're pretty... We're pretty happy with our group. I'm happy. You know, there's a lot of things I'm happy about. About thinking about our body, our church group here. It's it's great. But there's a lot of things we got to improve on. Okay? And we say we love one another. And by the way, I want to commend Parkside Bible Fellowship in this. I got a report from someone that doesn't go to any church. He 
refuses to go to a church. But he came up and he wanted to say thank you for how you have treated my son when he was in the hospital. He said, that hospital group, they told me that they've never seen more people come from Fallon to come and visit his son. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But that, it doesn't just stop there. We gotta, you know what? You gotta keep going. You gotta keep moving in this way of functioning in love. We say we believe, we got all the right answers, but how are we functioning? Are we working it out in love towards one another? And that's not a good, warm, fuzzy feeling love. That's action, sacrifice, giving. That's love. That's the love he's talking about. It's agape love. When we run with the, the folks that love us only, uh, the ones that we like, the ones that are popular, that's not reflecting the love of Christ. And thus, it's really more about my agenda and my choosing to love. You know, I'll love you guys, but I don't know about you guys. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but you evaluate it, you examine it. Okay, let us see the foundation of hope. The foundation of hope. Listen, we just got done doing two months or so worth of talking about our living hope. It's foundational because the gospel promises, listen, the gospel promises and delivers this hope. That's why it's foundational. If you can stop and think right now of when you came to faith in Christ, what was one of the first discoveries of being a new believer in Christ? What was one of the first discoveries? My sins are forgiven and I'm, I'm headed to heaven when I die. Yeah? Yeah? And there's hope that is, is there undergirding. Now, here's your attitude. Here's what's going on in my life. Oh, I have hope. What's changed in you? I came to know Jesus. And my faith is now growing. And here's love that flows out of that faith. This triad, faith, hope, and love, is spoken of throughout the New Testament. You're familiar with that. But let's get it into action more. The hope of eternal life. The hope of heaven. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of, of the Son of God in order that you may have eternal life. You may know that you have eternal life. Okay? Then, letter D, in this section here, letter D is the furtherance of the gospel. Because of these things being in place, the gospel is furthered God's going to carry it. God's going to spread it. Okay? The furtherance of the gospel. And many of you have been going to Sunday school. Isn't that exciting? Yeah? Has that been a blessing for your life? It's been A+. Plus. I love it. If you're not there, you got one more chance next Sunday. <laughs> Show up. Be a part of it. But I say that because... They've been talking about the gospel. Behold, the sower went out to... Don't say anything. Behold, the sower went out to worship. Behold, the sower went out to have fellowship. 
Behold, the sower went out to meditate. Behold, the sower went out to ruminate. All sorts of things. That's what we do. We, we like to fill in some of the other things there about what the sower did. But the sower did one thing. What did he do? Went out and he sowed seed. Okay? The furtherance of the gospel that brings, right, brings us right to number three, the celebrating the spread of the gospel. Now it's gone from grace to the gospel. Point number three, or it's the growth of the gospel. Okay? Look at verses six through eight here. You've heard this word of truth, the gospel, in, in verse five. In verse six, which has come to you, just as in all the world also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even, it, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it, See, it's not just that you heard it in the past and that's good enough now, but you heard it in the past and now it's carrying on its work in you. The gospel. And I bring it out again. Can you share the gospel in two minutes or less? Well, that's probably the the issue. And I'll get to that in a minute. I'll get to that in just a minute here. So point number three is about the celebrating the spread of the gospel as it is, letter A, proclaimed. It's got to be proclaimed. Where did it start? Paul proclaimed it. Epaphras heard it. Epaphras then carried it on. And letter B, he perpetuated it. It's perpetuated. If all Epaphras did was say... That guy who's the most awesome speaker. And then he comes back and comes back to Colossae and, oh man, you missed it. You should have heard this guy. He was so awesome, so great. In fact, I'm going to go next year too. See, aren't you glad that this church, this little community church, had the example of Epaphras. He not only heard the gospel, it was proclaimed to him, and it was perpetuated with him, passing it on. I love it. So, Romans chapter 10, mark it down. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 says, How then shall they call upon Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? So, verse 17, so what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. And you say, well, brother, I'm not a preacher. Yes, you are. You don't necessarily get up every Sunday morning, but you're a preacher if you know Jesus Christ. You've got the gospel to share with others. And a lot of times, we're just like the Colossian heresy. We've got so, many, so much stuff in our brains, 
and we can't quite get the gospel out in, in a clear in a clear way. So, but Paul is celebrating the spread of the gospel. He's celebrating it. He's saying, thanks be to God for what's going on there at Colossae. As it's letter A proclaimed, letter B as it's perpetuated, and letter C as it gets processed, or let's say it better, maybe, as it gets perfected. And see, that's what's going on, I believe, Everyone that's a believer in Jesus Christ can claim Philippians 1.6 being confident of this, what? Of this very thing that he who, began, he who began a good work in you will perfect it in the day of Christ Jesus. And so he's, he's continuing his authorship in your life. So keep responding to him in faith and keep asking him to build up the faith within and, and demonstrate the, the fruit of love. Okay? Look at verse 8, 7 and 8, I'm sorry. He's saying, just as you learned it, what's that? The gospel from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant. And it says, beloved. Certainly he was beloved because of what what God had done in his life. He's a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. And he also informed us of your, what? Love in the Spirit. Okay? There's the... There's the, uh, the work of the Spirit of God, the work of the gospel in the lives of the congregation there at Colossae. And that's what God's working to perfect in the body of Christ. Love, love for Him. Love for God. Love for Jesus. Love for the Spirit. Okay? So, here's this plant And you know what the plant, you know, the plant has roots underground. And the roots, listen, the roots are the the hope of the gospel stretching out. The plant is that framework of faith. And we want the, the fruit of love to blossom forth from that plant. Okay? And if you don't know Jesus Christ, you're you're dead. You're living, but you're, you're dead. You're dead because there's no response to God who made you. And you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You need to come to acknowledge your sin before Him and call out to Him for salvation. Okay? If you would like to discuss that more, if you'd like to ask questions about that, I'll stay here all afternoon. I'd love that opportunity. There's other people right nearby you that would love the opportunity to talk to you and share the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ. That's what he says in verse 5, that you previously heard in the word of truth, what? The gospel. So, Paul writes and he starts this letter by celebrating the connection of grace, celebrating the evidence of grace, and celebrating the spread of the gospel. So, is the gospel being spread from our ministry here? Is the gospel being spread from our people here? 
are we spreading the gospel? Listen, I know what it's like. I have my hesitations. I have my fears. I know. We all understand it. But is, it, it really comes back down to the gospel has to be shared, people. It's not just about good behavior. Fallon America has plenty of good behavior here from the, our friends in other churches that are cults. This is a town and a community full of good morals, full of good behavior. But they don't hear the gospel. They've got to hear the gospel. The gospel is the power of God to change a life, to break through a hard heart. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? And if you've been a part of this congregation for years and years and years, God bless you. But shake, shake off the the webs, shake off the stuff that's of tradition and ritual. And ask yourself, do I know the gospel and can I share it with someone? And I don't want to downplay the issue of example and conduct and behavior. Not at all. Because that's what Paul's going to do. But what I need to do, what you need to do, what I need to do, what we need to do is be quick to know the gospel and share it with others. Asking them, do they know this? Have they heard this? Do you want to respond to this? What will you do with Jesus Christ? So what is our story here at Parkside Bible Fellowship? We tend to say, yeah, I, I'm, I have faith in Christ and I have love for all the saints. Well, maybe not all, but most. And oh boy, do I ever have the hope of heaven... Right? But think about this as we go today. Am I helping perpetuate the gospel cause? I've received it. I've received it. What am I doing with it? If you're a Christian, you've received it. What are you doing with it? There's someone in your life that God has there that you can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with. And... No, there's no one that's perfect in it. But we've got to remember, folks, the dis- their decision is not up to you and me. See, that's my problem. I, I want to present it in such a way that they'll like me too. It doesn't work that way. You know the gospel. If you know the gospel, then present it and leave the results to God. Let's pray. Lord, we admit to you that we know that you know our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for being an omniscient God. And we we ask that you would search our hearts, Lord. Search my heart. And Lord, the things that are propping up and getting in the way of really understanding the gospel. Help me to deal with those. Help each one of us to deal with those things, Lord. 
Lord, thank you for the the blessing of this letter to the Colossian church. We are excited about being able to study this and we want to ask that you would lead us in this and bring about your good results in our lives. And we pray, Lord, that we would see uh, a difference in how we handle things with our neighbors or things with our co-workers or people that we know in the community. Help us to be sharing the gospel in a kind and gentle manner in a way that shows uh, the truth and the love that we have for you, Lord. Oh God, do your good work, we pray. And thank you again for the example of Epaphras. Help us to be like that. And uh, we thank you for the work that you'll continue to do in our lives as we keep seeking you. We praise you for your grace. We praise you for Jesus. Amen.